back to another episode of FSE Radio. Today we have with us Kago. Yeah, you want me to save myself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to try to say that name. Okay. You want to uh here it comes. Do you want to introduce yourself, Kago? Uh yeah. So, my name is Kago. I'm a energy and environmental science student. I started back in 2014 with studying, doing a bachelor's degree in chemistry. And after many years uh, of trying to finish my bachelor's degree and a lot of issues, I finally managed and then decided I wanted to go more towards uh, societal issues. And that's why I chose energy and environmental science. And through there, I found out about the SBP track, uh, the science, business and policy track, which is currently what I'm doing. And at the end of this year, this study year, so towards August, I'll be finished and I will have my master's degree. Well, that's very optimistic, but uh, <laughs> I'm assuming everything's yeah. go okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So, right off the bat, chemistry to uh, SBP. How, I mean, first of all, what's SBP? That's yeah. Um, so, science, business, and policy is a track that is available to all FSE students, uh, with the exception of engineering. And what it basically means is that you. come in uh, for one year with a lot of different students from a lot of different fields and together you try to learn to become a science advisor is basically it so either for business or for a policy situation and yeah it's quite broad but basically what the idea is that you want to learn how to be the person that is able to talk to scientists and meanwhile also talk to people on the more social side because a lot of scientists they <laughs> tend <sorry>. to <laughs> you just you just said scientists and people who tend to be more on the social side and it's just sounds <laughs> yeah, like you have a certain conception of scientists uh. well i i mean it's not it's not like i don't enjoy uh scientists themselves like but the the way that people speak to each other within science and in business is very different right like mm-hmm. there's um like the idea of, of for example making a linkedin I know so many scientists who don't have one, right? And they're amazing scientists. They're super good. They have they have publications, they go to conferences, they have stuff to talk about. But then when I tell them like, "Oh, like so what's your LinkedIn? I'll add you." And then they'll be like, "No, I I don't need that. I'll, I'll <laughs> let my science speak for myself." But it's like, "But yeah, you have all these publications. Like you can probably have like a huge network of other scientists to talk to, but a lot of them just don't seem to care about that." It's you know? fu- it's funny you bring that up because my my sister's a, a business person. She has an MBA and she's been like after me for like the past year to just make a linkedin account and i've been exactly like this like i don't need a linkedin account i'll be fine yeah. let my work speak for itself yeah but yeah so you're kind of like like you you just you're just like the medium that like scientists and businessmen can like communicate to each other is that yeah so but there's 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 a there's a special part to it which is mainly that you have a science background right so you come in and you have uh, already one de- one year of a two year masters degree sometimes people are using sbp as kind of the ability to finish two masters at the same time right because then they can combine it within that final year so they'll do one year of i don't know uh, biology and they'll do one year of uh, uh, biomedical science right and then they'll combine it in that last year to finish two masters degrees at the same time but for the most part you bring in enough scientific acumen to actually be able to do a lot of the research right you're able to talk about science you're able to research uh interesting topics but then the second part becomes how do you use this research and how is it relevant to others right because you can have the most amazing material or the most amazing invention but if you can't make others care then it never leaves the lab and there are so many things that walk around everywhere that just like take forever to get anywhere um i really like the example of like the led do you know mm-hmm. like when or like the story of the led about how that happened uh, i know leds are pretty recent like it's not i know leds are like were like a big thing cuz i mean they're very low energy and right right so <laughs> leds the first LED what you could call an LED which would be like a semiconductor that actually transmits light and doesn't suffer from uh the heat 
right, that, that comes off normal incandescent, incandescent light bulbs, was actually invented, I think it's like 1917. Yeah. <laughs> That was the first one, right? And it was, it was, or no, no, sorry, it was the 1927. Sorry, I was off by 10 years. But it was, it was a Russian scientist, right? And he developed the first one. And I think it didn't come into commercial use until like the 60s. When, when Hewlett Packard started developing actually like LEDs and it was mostly niche applications. Like there was still a lot of science to be done, mm -hmm. right? To actually get it to market. But there was a huge gap within the invention. Yeah. When, when you think about it, a, a material that gives off light without actually generating heat, that, that is phenomenal, mm -hmm. right? That's super interesting. It's very yeah. useful. But to make it, into something that you can actually market and use is it took forever, right? But to find the right material, to find the right company who was willing to take that yeah. bet is yeah. like that takes forever. So that's kind of where you need to have a little bit more of the let's say social interaction, <laughs> you know, like being able to talk to the investors and not just say like, "Hey, I have this great light bulb," but to, to actually the, make them care, mm -hmm. right? So like you're kind of like marketing for scientists. Is that <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But yeah, yeah, so for some people, it's so for some people it can be that way. But like, um, a lot of the time, if you work into a, in a business, right, then a lot of people that walk around there are business people. Usually, they have an established product, or um, sometimes they already work with a lot of scientists or engineers or something like that. But the societal effect of their invention or whatever they do is usually left up to others, maybe not even within the company. Mm -hmm. So if you come in and you're able to look at the actual invention or look at the actual product and write advice reports, right? So that's basically what the end goal is going to be at the end of your um, at the end of your internship, at the end of your research, is that you want to be able to write an advice report for the client that you have to be able to tell them like, hey, great invention, love it. However, it also does this, this, and this, right? So this is something that you need to keep in mind. It's not necessarily there's like pull your product off the market. This is awful. Don't do this. But it's you want to provide another perspective where they think about it a little bit more broadly. And that's that's basically what you try to provide. And that's what you try to learn in SBP. I think that's a that's a really interesting perspective also on like there's just different uh you know sort of types of interests in different people. Like there's some people who are just like, well, I did the calculations, I know it works, I don't care. I know I've proven that this works, you know, someone else can take over now. And then there's the people on the other side who just want to sell stuff, which like, I mean, that's fine. But then the, the part in the middle where it's like, well, okay, we know that it works, but can it actually be sold or can it actually be implemented in policy? Like this this area in between, that that seems that that is where the S, uh, SBP sort of focuses on. Like the, um, the type of people that you, that, that take the SBP track are those the people who are like, well, there's a lot in between just inventing something and just uh, the business applications. Yeah, I would I would say that's that's generally that's quite accurate. Um, let's see. I think well, uh, let me let me just switch topics maybe a little bit to maybe uh, to make it a little bit more understandable. I'm assuming both of you have done like the science ethics technologies. Oh, oh yeah, don't even yeah, get me started no. on that. I no. hate for it, so yeah. Yeah, I hated it. Okay. <laughs> I hated it. What, 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 what was it? What was it about it that you were like now? I mean, okay, so I'm I'm a physics student, so like I, for me, like it was it was my second year, and up until that point, I was kind of like very very much used to just like rigorous math and just like, I mean, I was I was cool. I I I prefer it to be honest. I would rather do that than have to write a two thousand word essay, and that just, I I just that like, it's not that I don't enjoy philosophy or that I don't enjoy ethics. Can I even say that? But it's just the, the the writing part of it is what I I found like particularly just like miserable. I I hate writing essays like that. That's what that's that's probably the only reason why I didn't like it. Also the layout of the course, it was just kind of like okay now you're in a course write an essay. Okay, yeah okay so I, I about the about the structure of it I don't know how, how relevant that is but I I understand that the, that's something that you know yeah. a, a fill in the sheet and the, yeah. I'm assuming maybe they'll update yeah. it. But generally I thought the the sets course is always a great 
gauge for a lot of scientific students whether or not they think they're in the right field mm -hmm. right or whether they like what they're doing um i've been a sets ta for i would say three four years mm -hmm. i've done it for uh, so, uh for chemistry students mostly also chemical engineering um of biology once right like a lot of a lot of different students and across the board what you notice is that a lot of students hate it. A lot yeah. of students, yeah, I would I say the majority, I would say half to two thirds are like you through that they're mm -hmm. that they don't care. Yeah. Right. It's like whatever. Dude, I have like another exam after this essay deadline, you know, I have to I have to do this entire book in like ten chapters of math and I, yeah. I don't I don't want to do this essay. But other students are finally realizing like, oh, Oh, this I, I like this a lot more. You know, like yeah. they, you can see it during the tutorials when, when mm -hmm. you're talking to them and they're asking you a bunch of questions about, you know, like how does it work or not just the technology, but actually the societal implications. They come up with really interesting topics, really interesting discussions. And that's usually when I try to start talking a little bit more to students to say, like, hey, like what <laughs> <laughs> what do, do do you like your career in science or like what do you what do you like about it what don't you like about it because that's usually the point where people realize like oh i really enjoy science i i like the skills that i have but i want to talk about it more broadly i want to be able to either communicate it better to others or i want to be able to um to evaluate the relevance on a broader context right to be able to not just invent a material mm -hmm. but also to go a little bit wider and then see if others also care about my material <laughs> i mean disclaimer to anyone who's taking ethics the course is not like that as, as interesting as you make it sound it's just i mean i will say this like i i think the course i don't blame the course i blame like my attitude towards it so like i, I definitely understand if there were like you know like if that was like the waking moment for some kids but like also at the same time i would say that like it's not just that you have a bad attitude towards the courses also that like since well i mean i would expect most kids to be like me because like well you chose to do physics like you, you you chose to do math for three years and like it's like everyone's just like and you work in groups for the course too right you write mm -hmm. an essay in a group it's just that like, everyone in your group is also just so like demotivated to do like do the work it's like kind of demotivates you too yeah you, but you made your own groups right yeah oh yeah no i have no so, one but me to blame for that so uh, although although i understand <laughs> i understand the the like the, the what you're saying yeah but the the course is not uh because it's only a couple of weeks right I think oh it's like yeah three no. weeks to a month right that you have to write an essay for some people they have to do a presentation as well depending on the course um so you're not solving a problem yeah no. you can definitely get by i think you can definitely get by in the course but I think it would be nice if you they do make you solve a problem. If they like, like you how like how you um, like have how you explained SBP where like they give you a problem and then you you use your like science acumen to actually like analyze the problem and give your advice instead of you instead of them just. I mean, I again, I don't blame them. It, I I take I take full credit. I was not interested in writing the essay. That's why I hated the course. Not that the course mm -hmm. is bad, but it's just that. They're like, okay, now you took this course and like they do like two lectures and they just give you like a 2000, I don't even remember the course that well, but I remember it being something along those lines where okay. it was like. I, okay, <laughs> so uh, I suppose that maybe I miscommunicated a little bit about SPP. So it, there is a problem, right? And you will analyze it. But the second leg of, of that analysis is looking more broadly at other people right, at other societal stakeholders, right, which is basically what you also did in sets, right? Yeah. So when you have a product or you have an idea or a policy that you want to implement, there are so many moving parts of, of um, NGOs, uh, groups that are involved in certain things that you have to, I don't, you have to talk to them, you have to keep communicating with them and make sure that they understand what you're doing, that they agree or disagree, that they can voice their their difficulties with it, and then you take that with you in your analysis. Because if you only do what you do, it's just like, hey, I have this problem, and I'm, I'm here, you solve it, right? That's that's a scientist's yeah. work, right? You okay. don't need to have someone from SVP in there. Right? Okay, now that you put it, like, I definitely see why like SVP is important for like, I, I can see why like a guy like me would have trouble communicating to like, a real cooperation to like actually get something going. I can see why it is important to like 
have someone in okay yeah you yeah. You, you definitely okay. do put things <laughs> so, in yeah. so so if you look at the um if you look at the communication side right like that that's definitely something that that was very interesting to me because you notice it very very early on so in SBP the first way you do is you have 3 weeks of lectures uh pretty much so you have 3 weeks of lectures and then uh you sorry you have 2 hours of lectures in the morning and then you have 4 hours where you prepare a presentation right and during this pre uh, you you go over the theory that you had in the morning four hours of preparation and then one hour of presentations at the end right where two groups present and it's all random right so you don't have and then you have to present what you did that day and then others get to comment and they're like oh we approach it from this way or from that way and then within that time you immediately find out like oh there's already like so many different things that we didn't think about so that way you go through all the theory and then after three weeks when that's done you have four weeks of a project right where you write an advice report with a bunch of others um, and you do that for a company or for a gemeente, right a municipality and they have questions that are really difficult right and they're real like they're real problems that they have not in the sense that uh, for some companies to be like, we have this new product, uh, we want to bring it onto this market, but what do we have to keep in mind? Like, what is important, right? And to be able to evaluate that, you have to first know and understand what is this thing that they're trying to sell? Is it like a biomedical application? And then the second part of it is what is in that country in terms of laws, regulation? Like, what is the process through which you have to go to get uh, this medical device uh, approved in order to be able to be used. So those are the kinds of things that you then have to look at. You do that for four weeks, and then at the end of those four weeks, you hand in your advice report, and then that gets graded. <laughs> so and that's you do that, yeah. and it's very intense. Okay, you're, you, yeah, okay, that makes ethics sound like cool. That <laughs> that makes me want to do it. Well, but that's you're also not you're not writing. Ethics, but okay. yeah. you're not you're not writing like the, yeah. You know, from a deontological point of view, yeah. right? <laughs> that's, 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 that's what, I'm, that's yeah, what I don't yeah. want to do. But that's that's the the, the point is like if if um, the experience is if you don't tell them to explicitly do it from an ethics point of view, they don't do it. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, so I wouldn't really have either. to do it. I don't yeah. blame yeah. yeah. So for you, for people like you, <laughs> that yeah. they're like, yeah. I mean, I totally understand. Yeah. yeah. But, but to go back to the ethics tutorial for just one second, I was also a TA for ethics and I know that like in artificial intelligence, it's slightly different than in the, I think the physical sciences, but the mood in my tutorials was always like kind of depressing, not because people didn't want to do the ethics, but just because when you look at all the incentives, like you can have all the nice ethical theories you want, you can have uh, responsibility, you can have explainability, like your AI can do a lot, but the structure of society is such that things are probably not going to go well, right? So that like in the end, the mood of the tutorial was always like, so, so you talked for a bit and then it was like, well, is this problem solvable? No, okay, uh, yeah, see you next week, guys, do your homework. So, <laughs> Um, what you just said, like, is this problem solvable? That's, that's a scientist point of view, right? Like you're not, you're not trying to solve a problem in perpetuity, right? It's more asymptotic, right? Like you're trying to get a little <laughs> closer and you're almost there. You're touching it. You can reach for it, but it's not You're quite always there. getting better, but never quite yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. You're never quite there. Yeah. And the... The point is that you have to you have to keep making steps, right? Like you can't just sit still. And especially with something mm. like AI, I think AI is a perfect example of where you need to think about the consequences, right? Mm. The um, there's a book by Kathy O'Neill. Oh, is that the Weapons of Mass Destruction? Yes, yeah. fantastic book um, because it really shows how science is 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 literally it's it's a great tool but it's not possible to use to answer philosophical questions mm -hmm. right so when you think about ethics ethics is generally the question of like what what is right what is wrong right like what what ought we to do 
right? Like that's that's generally the idea of philosophy, right? Science will never tell you that. Science will never give you that answer because you can have a material. I can have like you have A, B, C, right? What is it? It's a material. Which material should we use? <laughs> I think there's, there's no answer. And the 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 part of AI where they they build a lot of really amazing models really great analysis models that are biased in some sense then then the next question is like should we use these models and there's a lot of arguments in favor or against right mm. on the one hand you would have people say like no we shouldn't because in some sense they're biased which is true but at the same time they can be accurate right so if you have a model that is a bit biased, but at the same time is also reducing crime because you know where to look. No, I, I'm not saying that that's the case, but like let's say theoretically that you were able to prove that beyond a doubt, right? Which uh, is not well, the case. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, sorry. Um, uh, there's always questions, right? Like it's never yeah. going to be perfect. But if you're able to weigh those two things, is like which one do you choose, right? That is a philosophical question. It's not mm -hmm. a it's not a scientific question. So you want to be able to weigh those options and in sets, right? The a lot of the times, what you do is you just you start just listing pros and cons, right? That's that's how you start off most of those mm -hmm. essays. It's just like you think of like, okay, uh, from a deontological <laughs> point of view, you know, like from a rules based yeah. type of ethics, what kind of what can we do? Well, from a rules based ethics, we can say, well, you know, bias is always like a bad thing, right? So maybe we shouldn't use that. But from you know an outcomes point of view, if we say like it actually works. Um, and we are able to show that it actually reduces crime. It was like, well, from a utility standpoint, we would be able to say like, oh, we, maybe we should use it, mm. right? But even though those two things come in, like you still have to weigh them. You still have to make a choice. That's basically it. So like, where did you like, because obviously you were a chemistry student yourself, so you had that scientific mindset of like, is this problem solvable? Where, how did you transition from that to... I don't know what you would call this, like a philosophical mindset? How mm. did that, well, how did you unlearn your... Well, you didn't unlearn it, right? Like you add on to it. So um, personally, I, I wouldn't say like, personally, I really like philosophy, uh, but uh, that doesn't have to be the case for everyone who does SBP, right? But, um, but I, I did chemistry and after my first year, I got my propedose, right? Like you're allowed to continue. Um, I realized that it was awful for me. Mm -hmm. Right. I love to talk. I love to write. I did IB, uh, language hey. and literature. Hey. I did IB too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's we, uh, Do you like IB as well? I love it. God damn. <laughs> I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> but no, it's, IB it's, was fine. No, no it's, it's IB prepares you. Like anyone who did IB, but you can see that in sets anyway. Like anyone who did IB, right? Uh, language lit. They do level. much better. Oh, yeah. they do so much better. Because you're just sets. so used to the stress. But like it's the stress. <laughs> it's I don't like the stress. Just think about the way you formulate arguments. Is that oh, that okay. is that is IB, right? Like IB ch taught you the basic steps, like point, explanation, example, yeah. right? Like those types of things. It, like that's that, it's in your mind. You don't even yeah. realize. It's no, it certainly teaches you a lot, but it like with a lot of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. yeah. Uh, so, but so I did chemistry. Uh, realized it wasn't for me. Uh, but at that point, like that, that took like years of soul searching and failing a whole bunch of courses and all that kind of stuff. And so eventually I realized I have to, I have to change. Like I have to do something else. So, uh, but I was so far down into the study, right? I had a couple of courses left in my thesis. Mm. So like, you know, I'll just finish it. Right. Like that's mm. the most important part. So, um, I still had my minor left, so I wanted to do something completely different. So I did the the minor at the theology department here, which is also something like to to know that you can do an external um, an external minor. A lot of science students don't know that. I did. I mean, I didn't even have a minor. I'm applied physics. So oh right, yeah. 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 So then you just it's more courses, right? But a lot of students don't know. You can you can if, I, in some, yeah, in some studies just ask your study advisor or just check on the website. It should be there. You're allowed to go do anything else at the faculty. So if you're not sure or if you're like you know what I I really enjoy anthropology or I really enjoy uh, politics or law, right? You have minors for this. You can go do that if you want to. But for me. Uh, it was I wanted to look more broadly and I uh, just wanted to do anything else, like as far as away as I could. And so theology was like, OK, you got science and they have theology, right, which is not 
it's not like you're actually learning about God, right? Like, but it's, <laughs> Wait, it's so more what about do you learn in theology? Well, Re I mean, it, it was more it was more like the anthropology of religion, mm -hmm. right? So, so what type of structures are there in society? Like, what kind of communities do do religions build? Like, what's the history over time? How has it changed? What were important parts of it? Mm -hmm. So, that's basically what I did, which which was really uh, energizing for me. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. Um, and yeah, I felt like a unique place to be as well. I, I was constantly called the chemist because it was the first <laughs> scientist who was there in years. They hadn't seen it doing like a round in the beginning. It was like, where, where are you from? Like, oh, media studies or law. And where are you from? Chemistry. Like, what? Chemistry? What are you doing? <laughs> you lost? Like, this is really. <laughs> no, no, I wanted to be here. Um, but yeah, so that's. Uh, I did that minor. I really enjoyed it. And then after that, I knew I had to switch away, at least from chemistry. Uh, I wanted to stop uh, with university after my bachelor's because I was like, I, this is maybe maybe university just generally is not for me um, mm -hmm. or a science university. Mm -hmm. And because I'm so far down, like I thought like that is the only option is like this or I can do like a, a education. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I didn't I, I didn't want to do education. So I wanted to do traineeships to have traineeships within the within the government. Uh, within the EU so I was like oh this sounds really cool right you can actually move within the halls of where those decisions get made and and bring a new perspective right a scientific perspective because I'm not governmental science right like I'm a scientist and uh, because of COVID that was all stopped and mm. I I was like I'm not like I, I was still in some tracks of applying and they were like, oh, yeah, you can do your internship here or your traineeship, but it's going to be remote. Uh, it's right? useless. So I, like, I, can, I don't want to sit in like Google Meets of, of days on end. And yeah, that, <laughs> that didn't sound fun. So I was like, OK, I wanted to continue at least then at university, mostly for teaching because I really do enjoy it. And it makes a lot of money. So I was doing it here <laughs> in the lab and it's like the money's great. So I figured I'll just sign up for a study and just see what's up. And then I found energy and environmental science. Uh, it was a bit more broad. I was like, oh, I'll just give it a try, see what it's like. And then, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And with on day one, I found out that SBP was a thing. And as soon as they explained it to me, it was like that. I want that. Right? I want to take what I've learned and apply it for other purposes. And that's why I wanted to do SBP. And so that's what I continue doing. And now I'm here. So for the first year of your master's program, are you with like everyone else in energy environment? And you take yep. the tracks in the second year? Yeah, exactly. Oh, right? so, so energy and environmental science, tangential. They can go listen to the episode with Grant. Grant did a great yeah. job of explaining it much better than I could. But uh, yeah, so you have some mandatory courses and then mm -hmm. everything is electives. Mm -hmm. Or if you want to do SBP, it's like you have your you have five mandatory courses, one elective, and then February immediately you start your first research project. Like they say, like, okay, you have the basis now, you need to do your research project because for SBP, you need to have your first research project done, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So you want to have already shown that you have the ability to move within the field that you're currently <laughs> in, right? So uh, that you don't just walk into SVP and like, oh, I don't know, I just I passed the courses and I'm here. Huh? Yeah. Sounds cool. Yeah, sounds yeah. cool. And then like, you go into a company and they're like, wait, so do you actually know how to use this model from, you know, <laughs> from energy and environment? So, oh, no, I've never seen this before. You know, like you want to be able to show that you're actually able to do something with it. At first. So speaking of which, what was your, you, you've done your research project, right? Yeah. So tell us about it. <clears throat> um, yeah, so so right now I'm like in the, in the, in the last bits and pieces. So uh, next Tuesday I'll have my final presentation. And I, I was interested in being able to combine some of the stuff I'd already learned uh and to maybe find like maybe a unique way to do it well in chemistry you can either maybe maybe you can do some like carbon dating or something like that mm -hmm. uh, which is also a lot of physics uh so i didn't really th that didn't seem like fun i wanted to do my own project i didn't just want to get a data set so what i eventually looked into is the use of uh, graphene you know like two uh, two-dimensional uh carbon uh as a as a nanomaterial additive to concrete in this case so when you add graphene to concrete um, it has an effect right the, the material would become stronger but does that actually result in a 
environmental gain, right? Because if you make graphene and it costs a lot of energy and a lot of CO2 mm. emissions to make it, does it make up for that difference? Mm. Right? So that's basically what I what I try to research. Yeah. And like, did, what was the conclusion? It seems... Or do you lead to a conclusion or is it just like... You no, just no, no, it does. Oh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is still like a scientific research project, <clears> right? And so I want to say... Um, tentatively like it seems to mm -hmm. the the issue is that the research i had to do uh, took a long time in part because i had to collect all my own data mm -hmm. uh, which if you're a master's student and you're you're super energized and you're really really looking forward to doing your own project try to find data first before you choose the topic <laughs> uh because I had to construct a data set myself. So that means I had to go through literature. I had to like read a lot of articles and extract data points of like graphene to concrete. <laughs> uh, I went over 120 articles and then like had to go through them manually to boil it down to 20, which fit my criteria to then do data analysis on those data points to then find causal relationships to then translate that into an environmental model. <laughs> wow, that, sounds, <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds cool though, like that <laughs> yeah. sounds fun. I'm really proud of it. But at yeah. this point it's like, it, it took me, no, it took me a year, it will take me a year by the time I finished because it just, because uh. uh, it was so much work. But do you find it rewarding? Like the work, did you, did you enjoy your work? I think at points. <laughs> at times, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's good enough. That's yeah, yeah. You, you can never, you can never. It, <laughs> yeah. it will never be like the best, yeah, like no. all the way through. But yeah, for sure, it, it was it was definitely rewarding towards the toward now that we're towards the end. I can see like <laughs> the data analysis and everything coming back, and then it's like, yeah, I, I did a good job. I think. Yeah, it's like the the scary part is just being in the middle, not knowing it. Like you're on your first analysis, and it looks like nothing, and it's just like, mm. I spend so much time on this, and there's nothing here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. When you yeah. start like. <clears throat> when you start looking at stuff that you did, it was like, okay, oh, I need to cut this out, even though it took me two weeks. Yeah, uh, yeah, this stuff needs to go. But yeah, so that's that's basically what I'm doing now. Yeah, yeah I, got, I got like a question for like the both of you. Like, mm -hmm. what what what's like your like? Do you think there should be like any regulation on like OpenAI or like ChatGPT specifically? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we got an AI student. <laughs> I I just had to. Oh my god. Okay. <laughs> well, I uh, regulation. Principally, I don't like regulation, so I'm like, well, no, but OpenAI is scary because it's commercial, it's like, who is on the board, like, it's not it's not a sort of governmental program, and even if it was a governmental program, it would be, like, you, you, ca you, you don't know what the data is, you don't know who's training it, you don't know what it's trained on, like, you don't, you, you don't know nothing that's going on there, so... I thought it just scanned the internet. Yeah, but like you don't know what what sites they scanned and what sites they didn't scan. Oh, I just thought they did like the internet. No, <laughs> they no. Just yeah, did everything. Uh, no, like but even <laughs> even if they do the internet, like there there is stuff on the internet. Well, so I don't know if you heard about like the no fly list that got leaked. There, the U.S. the the, the America has like a no fly list, and then they were like, "Oh, did AI learn the who was on the?" No, no, oh. some some person on Twitter like oh, they just, just found it some because it was apparently on a public server. So the maybe I don't know, but maybe the no fly list is also in Chat GPT. Like you don't know, you don't know what it's trained on. Like there's all kinds of data just flying around. You don't know what. Yeah, yeah you don't know what's happening. So well, initially, <laughs> you say like you, you don't have you have to. The, the principle against regulation of I'm assuming uh, of, of science of, of AI or yeah well this is one of the things where uh, the practicality of living in a society goes like living in a society is more important than what I personally like so I don't mm -hmm. like regulations but I also want to breathe air that's not contaminated by po poison right right so exactly. <laughs> so in that sense like in some yeah you have to have some sort of regulation on it yeah. but yeah yeah, I yeah, don't know I mean, how yeah, I feel about I mean, it. I like, I'm not doing any of the sets courses right now. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you're, if you're listening and you're like, oh shit, I need to do my sets. <laughs> I want to, I need a topic. It's like ChatGPT is a great one. Yeah. Um, personally, I think um, it, it's not going to disappear. Right? Oh no, it's, it's going there. to be here. Yeah. yeah. So uh, learned, we got to learn to live with it somehow. But like, um, you think there should be like, just, you think we should just leave it like as it is or... 
But I mean, I don't know what you mean would leave it as it is. I mean, because this is just the beginning of things to come, right? I mean, chat yeah. GPT is like the first of its kind. We might have more and more complex. Yeah. So here's here's a, here's something I saw on LinkedIn. This is another reason <laughs> for you to join. It's like there's a lot of professionals on there. They do a lot of cool mm-hmm. stuff. Sometimes they share cool stuff. A lot of it is very self-congratulatory. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's but, LinkedIn. <laughs> but that's all right. You know, there's like a style to it. You, you just mm-hmm. kind of tune that out. But then sometimes you come into something and you're like, oh, this is a really good idea. One of the ones I saw, and I can't think of the man right now because I really wanted to say like look it up because it's really awesome he had this um he had this I think he was an AI assistant professor and he he suggested or he put in his syllabus saying like I know you use chat GPT <laughs> like don't lie to me but I want you to tell me what you told it to do oh yeah I saw this yeah, yeah. so that is a, a way like in the same sense of uh, you know, when you go back like 40 years, you have a calculator. People are like, oh, no, you, people are going to forget how to calculate stuff in their head. And people see chat GPT and it's like, no, people are going to forget words or something like that. You know, people are just going to be, oh, we're just going to tell it to do this or that. But it, it, it outsources part of what you have to do. And when you just completely let go of the idea that people are using it and you just say like oh it's plagiarism which it is it is it is but at the same time if you force people to reckon with what they're dealing with and you also force them to be open about it um you at least have some mechanism by which to check it right because Mm -hmm. even if you don't uh if if the if the chat gbt or if the bot just tells you anything as a beautiful story but then if you look at the input you as a professor or as a ta or anything like that you should be able to look at it and be like oh well it seems that they're approaching this question from the wrong angle right uh, you're able to at least put it in yes yeah that's yeah like if you if you have a, a prompt input that's just totally wrong it's like okay well maybe not but the, the danger with chat gpt is just that it's too good right and it's uh, it's really good, but then at some point it's just really bad. But the way that it is bad is like really unnoticeable, because like I I asked it like oh uh, I I'm working on Bayesian networks, so I was like oh give me a, a bibliography, like give me some books that I can read, mm-hmm. and then I checked it over, and like two out of three of the citations were correct, and then one was not correct, and I kn- I knew it was not correct because I know the literature, so I was like oh well, this is. Oh, actually, the author of this piece is not the author who you say it is, right? So this this is wrong. Yeah. But then, if you would ask, but that like checking something manually, like that GPT has some output and you want to check it line by line, that is a different skill, and also a skill that I think you cannot acquire uh, if you if you just use uh, ChatGPT all the time. But yeah, I don't know. Checking is different than writing stuff yourself. And I, this is just in the context of, you know, academic writing. Like you have to write some stuff yourself because otherwise you can never learn how to do it properly. And I think it's different than a calculator. Um, I, I mean, you yeah, still would, learn I, addition, I, I, Yeah, right? of course. I mean, I would partially agree. So the, what the great thing is about ChatGPT is the fact that it's able to outsource some of what you have to do. Because yeah. let's not every time we write, it's going to be the best best no, no. of what we do and for the most part what chat gpt or or open ai like the the playground mm-hmm. function which is much better it, it allows you to do is at least um to focus your attention more on the actual argument that is being made because a lot of the time when i'm reading a set's essay if the language is bad the argument becomes worse Right. If I have to read the argument and someone has to go through it, like point explanation example, and they're they're trying to make an argument and trying to build it up. Um, If the language is bad or it's badly written, it becomes like innumerably harder for me to check, especially because we have, you know, we have a rubric, right? You have to look at the argument as it is. So ChatGPT at least makes it possible for you to outsource some of that. Right. No, but you're not you're not really outsourcing it though, because you just say, "Hey, uh, ChatGPT, write an argument about or for a certain point," and then you might you might check it, but the output will be the output will be beautiful. Like, and then you as yeah, a student, yeah, but the argument can still be bad. No, but the the, the argument won't be bad. It I mean, the, the argument will be bad, but the argument will it will look like the student knows more than that they actually do. Okay. 
Yeah, but isn't I think. Oh, sorry yeah. to no, interrupt. No, 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 but but no. about the argu- like about the argument, isn't that also just up to the checker? Like, because I mean, no. What? It, yes and no. Yeah, yeah I mean, there, yeah, there's, there's some formal things that yeah. Like, like, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like you get, like for a lot of the kids, it's just about you got a deadline. You just need to like submit something. Okay. So it's just I mean maybe I'm just speaking for the bad <laughs> students here, but it just becomes an easy escape, which is like what I personally have an issue with. I'm not mm-hmm. uh, at least in like an academic background. Just do your work. Is yeah. like that's what I think. Sure, but okay. So when I say when I say outsource part of that work, um, maybe I skipped a step or two. When you raised an argument. What you want, like in uh, uh, you had like TOK or like mm-hmm. a basic uh, basic philosophy course or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have like premise, 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 conclusion. Yeah. Right. ChatGPT does not do this. People think it does. It like it's sometimes it it, it they it, it just kind of mimics it because mm-hmm. it just it just draws on what other people write. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time, it will repeat arguments with fancier words, right? Oh, yeah. Or different words. Because it and doesn't know what it's saying. It's no, just, it yeah. has no idea, right? <laughs> so then it will just like switch out a, con- a couple words. But then from paragraph to paragraph to paragraph, it's the same argument. And you can you can see this yourself. Like, make, may, uh, like uh, tell me why uh, uh, sustainability in AI is a good thing or something. And then it will just make a bunch of arguments. But if you actually go through it, it's the same argument every time usually, but different words that's why i mean to say mm. is that it can able it's able to outsource some of it however if you put the input as part of the way that you look at it by the way i'm not advocating for anything <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is something other people have to figure out i'm not a ta anymore i'm not telling other people what to do but this is just the way i think about it but if you're able to tell it like the input uh of you know make an argument in favor of this or that um uh, using this type of um, using this reasoning, right? You can be more specific, right? If you force the machine to do that, and you force students to hand in that input, at least you're able, as a TA or as a professor or anything, you're able to look at it. It's like, okay, they actually understood what they're doing, and they're able to to see, and they're able to go back onto the prompt and see, like, okay, is my argument being properly represented here? That's what I mean with partially outsourcing it, and yeah, it, it takes a different skill, which is critical reading, which is a big issue for a lot of people. But yeah, that's that's what it teaches you, or to a certain extent, what I think can it te- it can teach you to do, right? Yeah, but okay, that's a specific example about writing essays or just you know presenting an argument. What about like coding homeworks, for example? You said coding what? Sorry. What 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 about like coding homeworks? Like that is like someone like gives you like a programming assignment. They mm-hmm. like just achieve this. Yeah. You can get an AI to do that. It won't have any trouble with that. With problems like for that. For simple ones, yes. For simple ones, it could do it. With I mean, yeah, okay. So in the case of like, uh, and I can I can say this from experience. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be saying this, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't use it, by the way. But like, I've tried like, I've tried like running like a couple programming problems through it, which like, mm-hmm. I mean, and I, it was supposed to be an advanced course, advanced in course, like advanced for bachelor students. But, and, and it could do it. I mean, to me, it seemed, I, I didn't know, before I like put it into the, chat gpt i didn't know the answer to the question i put it in it give it gives me the answer mm-hmm. it was supposed to be i thought it was a pretty difficult question for me at least yep. it did it no problem yep. so like for like what about like i mean comparing those standards like a guy could just like enroll into a cs degree assuming it's just three years of programming and you could get by with basically three years of chat gpt yep. and call yourself a programmer by the well, end well i mean i i think there's also parts of it where you when you do larger projects it's like the that in, the the point about a bachelor's degree that for any science degree is not just about simply answering questions. At some point, it becomes about the synthesis of the, your collective knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Getting, getting sixes is, is in, in that sense, easy, right? You just make all the assignment. But you get, you get the higher grades, the eights for, for a lab work when you're not able to just synthesize the information, but you're also able to draw on other things that you've learned right and that's that's where where the speciality comes in um if you do a cs degree for three years and you use chat chat gpt all the way through um i don't even know if it's possible maybe it is but i mean i'm I'm oversimplifying even even if it is possible you'll come out come out at the end and you still have no clue about what you're doing Mm -hmm. you will find yourself i mean good good job you played yourself right (laughs) you did you didn't get any further so yeah it's not going to change i i would say that there's a lot of stuff 
about ChatGPT, which is really nice, mm -hmm. uh, that you probably should use if you would want to. But mm -hmm. yeah, the, the the difficult part is like actually using it in some way that. Mm -hmm you know, yeah. is, is ethical. Let's yeah. say. I think it's interesting that you mentioned like critical reading because I just don't think that you can develop critical reading without critical writing. Mm -hmm. Like you have no. to be able to write yourself. At, at least yeah. that's what I think. I think I think it's partially correct because it makes it a little bit easier at least for you to uh, to look at an argument to see whether or not it's correct because maybe you approach it from your own angle. But uh, even I mean, even critical reading, just general general media literacy, you don't need to write particularly well to know whether or not an argument is being made out of um, like a just like a factual basis or an emotional one or or if if a um, if there's like circular reasoning, it is because it is because it is, you know, like those kinds of things. You can pick that up without having uh, without being a great writer. Right? Like the, the, you can yeah. be a critical reader in that sense and be like, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm reading this piece of news and it's from this website. But there seems to be a lot of conclusions already baked into the yeah, way that it's Yeah, written, yeah, 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 no, right? of course. So then that, that, that part is critical reading as well. But I mean, if you go a little bit beyond that, yeah. So Yeah, I'm thinking specifically arguments. about academic es yeah, essays yeah. about, uh, you know, ethics, that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. So, so, yeah. So as a policymaker, like, would like chat GPT even be of concern to you? At, at, least at this point in time, in, in 2023. Hmm. Is a, p a problem in what sense? As in, in like an academic background, for example, and like and like just like kids being able to use them, mm. or like how would like I'm just trying to put it in like an SBP background. Like how would you yeah, approach yeah, yeah. A, no, like that. such a problem? Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, the th the the um, to, to to bring it back to SBP. So policy is generally it's very difficult. And it's very slow, yeah. Right. So something like ChatGPT, I, I think. Um, do you know? Do you know like uh, Arjen Lubach, right? Like the the Dutch mm -hmm. comedian. Yeah. Had a piece recently about like uh, phones in uh, phones in school, mm. right? Mm -hmm. Which was very good. Um, but yeah, the the idea that we would we should ban phones in school, that people should just not be allowed to bring their phone into the classroom, which. It's probably not a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. don't you think it reduces like students' attention spans? No, 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 no. no. Well, now we're talking. We're making arguments. But, oh, like, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> need to, you need to make a choice, right? right? That's where that's where that's where politicians, right? Which is not policy, right? Uh, politicians. Wait, wait, what is the so politicians make policy or someone writes policy and then well, what's the? Well, so there's there's something that you learn about really really quickly when you do SVP, which is called the policy cycle, right? Before you can ever make a decision about anything, it needs to be on the agenda, right? So you can look at something like phones in schools. Um, it's a problem, sure. It's not really on the agenda, right? Like there, it's not like there's debates about it. Like here and there, you know, you have some things popping up, but you do get more and more teachers who are starting to like speak out, right? And they're coming together through maybe unions or non-governmental organizations and they're trying to tell the government like, hey, this is a problem, right? We tried banning them out in our school, but I do it in my classroom, but maybe my other teacher doesn't do it. Right. So now kids are coming into my classroom and they're still they still have their phone. Like, I'm, I'm not going to fight them. Right. So at some point, like, what do you do? It's like, well, you need to look for ways that you can find to actually bring this to the attention of other people. So that would be like agenda setting. Right. Like you have to put something on the agenda. And then it actually has to go through like a, a formulation and like a decision making process where you have to actually go back and forth with other stakeholders saying like, well, you know, you have parent groups who are like, oh, well, but, you know, what if, it, what if there's an emergency, right? And I want to contact my kid. Like, what, what if they can't? Or uh, I think the example he used, uh, Arjen Lubach used in his, uh, is like, what about Kahoot? You know, how are we going to do Kahoot in class? Right, that's that, that that would be something. It's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. But at the same time, it's like, well, maybe some teachers really rely on this for their for their teaching method. So so that would be something to consider. So then the the policy can be formulated. You can you can talk about it. And then a decision has to be made. Right. And this is the realm of politicians. Right. Because politics uh, in at least liberal democracies is is, is in a sense, not much more than just the, the, the 
division of power, let's say, mm-hmm. right? Like who has it? Um, how do you acquire it? It's like, well, more votes, right? You have to make sure that other people think that your plans are good and that, that you represent something that they feel like they're, that they feel represented by the things that you say. So that's where politics come in, is the decision-making process. Because in the end, if you do a policy and it turns out well, uh, it, awesome, you've made a great decision. But if it doesn't, well, you're responsible, right? Like that's your that's your part, right? And behind the scenes in government, there's hundreds and hundreds of people who actually write the policy, right? Which is not a bad thing. People are like, oh, it's the shadow government doing it. It's like, no, they they get told by other people what to do, and like these are the decisions that we've made. We have to find and um, write the policy, and then it gets implemented where you deal with other actors, right? Are there actually teachers who are day-to-day saying like, hey, your phone needs to be in your locker? Because if there's not, and you then go into the last stage, which would be evaluation, right? Like to see like how it actually worked. Did it work? Is our reading level improving? Are kids paying better attention in school? And then you find out it's not. Well, then the question becomes, okay, so how can we improve it? If this is something that we still care about, and still something that we want to do, how do we improve it? So you have to go back through it again. It's like, which parts aren't working? Which parts are working? And then you just, you do that in perpetuity until you <laughs> get closer to like the asymptotic. Maybe. And then you just keep going. <laughs> you just keep going. You just keep trucking along. You know, the perfect, the perfect answer is like, generally it just doesn't exist, but you just have to believe in the fact that you can make it a little bit better. And that's, that's what matters, I think. Do you I ever think. struggle with the patience? I can, I mean, the that's patients. a long cycle. <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it's it's a long cycle. The, the 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 patience. Yeah, I mean everyone has the patience, right? When well. you no, you do. When you're when you're when you're a chemist and you're standing in a lab, and I've done this, right? And you're doing the same experiments, you know day after day after day and you're optimizing you're working you're working it's not working right mm-hmm. how do you have the patience to get out of bed and go stand in that lab to do it another day it's like you care about it right this is something that you're passionate about you want to show that you're able to do something with you know that that, that brain of yours that you're able to show like hey i, I can make a contribution to myself uh, to society to my peers to show like hey i'm doing my best i'm trying my hardest so that's where you find the patience, right? You find it from, from community in some sense. You find it from other people around you who are also working towards a goal that they find valuable. And that's why you just keep going. So that's know, where you find the patience. Did you watch The West Wing? Uh, oh, the um, American I've never TV seen show. it. No. Well, I, I don't know. I think you might like it. But. I, uh, yeah, maybe. I, I think <clears throat> it's about like the White House, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it, no. But yeah, maybe uh, it's on the list. Like I'm, I'm so busy right now with my thesis. <laughs> yeah. but it, once, once his thesis is done, I, I will find some time to try and look at some shows. I'll have a look. Yeah, no, I don't know. I was just thinking about it because this is like, I don't know. It's quite an inspiring view, I think, on on patience and community and that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was very wholesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't have that feeling towards like policy, but I do have that feeling towards science and sci- scientific progress and, you know, yeah. the community of academics that you're like yeah. uh, working with. Yeah. Well, I mean, what often gets lost is the fact that people think that, oh, you know, like politicians is like they only care about themselves and that kind of stuff. So you the a lot of people want to do good. Like that's the most important part. So even though you don't like policy per <laughs> se, you have to trust in the fact that there are a lot of people around that do uh, want to do the best that they can and they want to include scientists in it right but if you have the best ai that is just able to write all the essays in the world right and you're like i don't want policy i want my best ai right but there's (laughs) you know there's other people who haven't studied ai and they also have a say in it so then you have to you have to account for those views as well yeah Yeah, but doesn't it get annoying when those people are telling you something and then there's, I mean, this is not even related to SBP, this is just a tangent, but then there's politicians that, like, there's, like, like every scientist in the world, like, warning, like, like for, like, decades, like, global warming, by the way, don't, don't do this, don't do that, and then there's politicians, like, to this day, that are just like, oh, it's not real, we don't have to worry about this, continue mining for whatever 
you want to mine for and just i mean it's 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 mostly just like people trying to make money at the end of the day but well, i'm okay so they they you you said that's a, a whole different thing yeah no that's a whole different, different thing <laughs> i don't even know what i was trying to get but no I, i i think i think i think i sort of understand so yeah there's a lot of different things within policy within politics that are very annoying and like you want to have something done quicker however the system is designed in such a way to make it slow right to take the time to actually hear everyone out because when you don't like that's uh, that's that's kind of the the annoying part about something like social media right it was like facebook was like the their their initial slogan was to like move fast and break things <laughs> right Yeah. Well, well, look at look at Facebook yeah. now. <laughs> they, when they they when 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 their algorithms are like nearly breaking up like the social fabric of of the way that people communicate and everything is online and like the, the amount of fake news that people are consuming and like they don't have media literacy and they they can't do it. It's like, "Oh, well, I mean, you've, you a uh, good job. You broke it, right?" So there's there's the the purpose of it is trying to way everything and yeah there's some malicious actors that will spread fake news about climate change although i would say that those are very much in the minority these days the the but and, and that's a that's like this side of the world yeah no but i mean even even like even china is there there's a lot of like science in in energy science environmental science going on in china as well right because they 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 have so many people right and people are pretty highly educated like there's a lot of uh, scientists uh, for my thesis that i talked to uh, that are in china right and you just email them right also great great tip for anyone doing a thesis if you're ever wondering like oh what do, what do they mean in this article or what are they talking about <laughs> just email them they reply Yeah, yeah, they do. Scientists want to talk about the research. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know? Wow. It's like, like I mean, whoa, someone's interested. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's no, not. I, to you. I always just felt like, like I was like too underqualified to talk to them. No. no. So <laughs> this is uh, this is actually something uh, because I, I know that we're running out of time. It's something that we didn't touch on at all with SBP, but something that's very special is the fact that there's a lot of things that they force you to do, uh, which are very uncomfortable, which is cold calling. Uh. <laughs> you have to get your own internship right one in the second half of the year you have to do an internship once you finish your courses you have to do it all yourself you have to talk to people you have to email people you have to do uh, like interviews and all that kind of stuff they teach you how to do this they practice with you there's a lot of self-improvement in there so it forces you to do things that other scientists and other people like generally don't want to do and then you find out really easily it's like oh there's just another human being if you you can shoot off a message to any person on linkedin who's in your field and be like hey i i really like what you're doing it seems really interesting however how do i get where to where you are or what did you do or what what were the steps that you took to get to where you are and people will reply to you <laughs> everyone will but even re- imagine it for yourself if you if you were a ta right i had this uh, happened to me a couple of months back and an old student of mine emailed me and uh, you read the email and it, it reads like a, oh my god he spent so much time on this email right <laughs> because it's like oh, it's perfect you know it's like every the sentences are like properly spaced there's so many paragraphs and he was asking me to be if i could be a reference on his cv right if I, if i'm if i would be willing to answer the phone if like another potential oh. employer would call me and i thought it was wonderful right but it was so like i could read from the email how scary that must have been to yeah. just send mm-hmm. right it's yeah. like when you sit there look at the email and you just like yeah wait for days and then it's like oh, should i send it or like then one day it's just like, oh, weird i'll yeah. just send it i'll just send it i'm i'm not thinking about it anymore like once you get over that hump uh, you, mm-hmm. then you find out that's a lot easier and in SBP they teach you to do a lot of these things they learn teach you how to talk to people they teach you how to <clears throat> communicate through linkedin to communicate um to to actually take that step because they're not going to do it for you because no one's going to do it for you right <laughs> well i yeah. got i got to be honest coming into this i was like not that big on sbp but <laughs> i mean you 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 make it sound much better than yeah. sbp makes it sound okay <laughs> well, let me let me let me just then quickly finish off them maybe with this because the um we do like a symposium day at the end of the year um it's in july i don't know the exact date um but then everyone discusses what they did for the past half year so that this cohort of people um they will present what they do and if you want to 
see it, you can go see it. There's interesting projects. There's people who've done physics, uh, astronomy, chemistry. And so when did you say this was? Hmm? When, when does this happen? Somewhere in July. I, I'm not ex entirely oh. sure on the date. I would have to check for you. Maybe we we'll put it in the <laughs> description or something. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, anyone I would suggest just like come and see and see what people did for the past half year. And you know, if you see me, you see my name, like Karel uh, yeah, or Karo <laughs> or Karo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just walk up to me. I don't know. I know it's scary, but I'm, I'm quite approachable. You can just <laughs> talk to me and I we can just talk yeah yeah, yeah. Well, i think with that uh, beautiful call to action we can uh, conclude this episode yeah. thank yeah. you for your time carl oh, oh, i hope i said that right and uh really good yeah. have a nice day everyone oh, bye. Yes. bye bye